Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Bo Cephas Broadcast. We are back in the basement for another week of shenanigans across the World Wide Web. It's another Sunday morning coming down, Mr. Christofferson. And as always, today I'm armed with a big old cup of black coffee and a delicious apple cinnamon jumbo muffin from High V. Super delish. Therefore, automatically, based on those factors alone, my day is is better than most of yours. And I will argue that fact with you to the death if necessary. Let's get right down to it. Download update. We are closing in on 1,200 downloads. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, kids. Speaking of downloads, I had a great conversation with one of our uh, listeners last night. Mr. Alex Neaters is a truck driver for a food wholesaler distributor company. I probably said that all kinds of wrong, but uh, Alex is a truck driver. And Alex goes to St. Louis Weekly, and he uses the Bocephus broadcast to get him back to Quincy each week. He likes listening because there's um, no commercials, or no legit commercials, I guess I should say. And he said that kind of helps him pass the time in the uh, monotony of driving back from St. Louis to Quincy each week. So thank you, Alex. A shout out to you this week, because I know you're listening. You told me you were gonna. And if you're not, you're a liar. So thank you, Alex, for choosing the Bocephus broadcast to uh, get you from point A to point B each week. Speaking of downloads, came across a couple of new podcasts that I really enjoy listening to this week. And if you're in the market for some new listening outside of this show, check out the Poop Culture podcast. Yes, Poop Culture, not Pop Culture, Poop Culture. And I kind of started listening to these uh, these two podcasts based on their names alone, and I was not let down. But uh, the Poop Culture podcast combines three of my favorite things into one. Poop, pop culture, and podcasts. This show is it's what it would sound like if, if my merry band of, of pranksters were to get together, gather around a table, and record ourselves conversing each week. Lots of fun, super funny, super not safe for work sometimes, but that's the enjoyable part of it. So that is one to check out. Another one I stumbled across was uh, called Amish Baby Machine, which is two dudes, I believe, in um, Minnesota, I want to say, talking about, you know, this, that, and everything. And you can get both podcasts wherever you typically get your podcast. So if you're in the market for some new shows you want to listen to, and my recommendations mean an ounce of anything to you, that's what I'm offering up. Poop Culture Podcast and Amish Baby Machine. Lots of fun this past week. We uh, took a little journey to St. Louis, a little getaway to celebrate Emily's 30th birthday. I think over the past uh, three or four weeks, we've been on the road every weekend. So a little travel, travel worn, if you will. But we spent about a day and a half down there in St. Louis, grabbed some great barbecue at a place called Salt and Smoke, which is easily becoming one of my favorite places to eat in St. Louis down there on the Loop, Del Mar Avenue, Boulevard, whatever it is. But yeah, so we grabbed some uh, some really good barbecue. Great brisket. Oh my God, the brisket. But we had dinner with our friends Brooke and Adam who are getting married this week. So we're going to be back down in St. Louis again this weekend. They're getting married on uh, Friday, March 10th. So another great weekend in St. Louis. Uh, they're going to get married. We're going to be down there for that. And then I travel back to Quincy to play a show at the Dock. Our first show at the Dock this weekend with Blacktop South. And that's always a lot of fun. So uh, if you don't have anything going on on Saturday, March 11th, Come down to the dock in Quincy, Blacktop South. Going to be uh, playing some tunes for you. And you can look at my freshly shaved head while it plays guitar and sings around. But anyway, back to St. Louis. Like I said, we grabbed some barbecue with our friends, and then we went across the street to Blueberry Hill and played darts, which is something... It's becoming a tradition for Emily's birthday. The first time that we were dating 
and she celebrated a birthday. We were in St. Louis and we went to Blueberry Hill and played darts. And I, I think that's kind of becoming a tradition. It's two years in a row. So why not make next year, you know, the same thing? But there never fails to be some sort of crazy thing that happens when we're in St. Louis. For instance, while we were playing darts at Blueberry Hill, like right before we even got started, there's a lady that wanders over to the dart side of the venue, which is not like a Star Wars reference or anything, but it could be. Come to think of it, that's a really good idea. You come up with a darts venue that's Star Wars theme, you call it the dart side. Nobody take that. That's another million dollar idea. So anyway, we're getting ready to play darts and this woman wanders over and she's on her phone and she's she goes off into this little kind of cranny, this little nook off the dart room. And she is letting what turns out to be a police officer verbally have it. I mean, she is a cold bitch. And she's tearing into this police officer over what I gather is some sort of custody thing, talking about the, the divorce papers or the custody papers and that her child needs to be returned to her house at this certain time and so on and so forth. This lady is having this conversation out loud with probably 20 people in this room around that can can easily hear her and are, are visibly stopping what they're doing to watch this unfold. So I would guess, you know, maybe if your child is not where it's supposed to be, maybe you would just want to leave the bar and, you know, go find the child. Make sure it's at your house. Go, you know, take care of business. I don't know. That's her journey, man. So anyway, after that all unfolded and she kind of disappeared, I went to the jukebox because you got to have some good tunes when you're out, you know, having a few brews and playing darts and conversing with your friends, right? So here's my gripe about jukeboxes. One thing that's always bothered me about them, not the concept of the jukebox, because I love that, but rather the fact that the the music that I want to hear always costs me more money than the average listener. So for instance, like the, the touch tunes is kind of the, I guess the industry standard, maybe it's in most bars anymore. So $1 gets you, I think two credits, which typically means you can play two songs, right? Well, not for me. All the stuff you can play for one credit is usually like mainstream garbage or stuff that's already overplayed. If I want to hear something, it costs me both credits. It's BS, man. So like I wanted to play a Dawes song, right? Not many people know who Dawes are or is, or I, I never understood how to grammatically say that, but I wanted to play the song Roll With The Punches by Dawes. Put in my dollar. Of course, it's two credits. So all the songs that I picked out ended up costing me double what they would cost probably the normal person that goes in there and picks a song from the jukebox. It is what it is, but that's my gripe with jukeboxes. But the cool thing about Blueberry Hill is they've got a place called the Duck Room, which I believe is in the basement of the venue. I've never seen a show here, but they have a lot of live music down here in what they call the Duck Room. And I believe the reason they call it the Duck Room is because the ceiling is very short, not unlike the basement in which this is recorded. So I would imagine you probably can't have a lot of high energy jumping up and down type bands in there. But I don't know. Like I said, I've never been in this place. But St. Louis has a lot of rich music history, and it seems like every musician that I speak to always really sings the praises of St. Louis, that they love St. Louis, they love to play in St. Louis, and what a rich history it has musically. And it's evident even when you're walking down the street. While we were down there on uh, Monday, a couple of street performers were out there, had this guy playing guitar on one of the corners. He was great. And then you had kind of the uh, quintessential hacky sack stoner dude playing his djembe and his little uh, shakers and his tambourine just kind of sitting there on the street corner, you know. But it's very cool to see not only the local talent that's kind of dispersed throughout the community, but you know, there's a lot of great shows that happen in St. Louis, especially in the Loop. Been to the pageant several times, but I think one of my favorite places to see people perform is 
the Peabody Opera House. Gorgeous venue, not a bad seat in the house, and sound-wise, it's acoustically amazing. Like I said, you can sit anywhere in that entire venue, and it sounds perfect, crystal clear. And I was fortunate enough to see Hall & Oates there a few years ago. I think most of Hall & Oates' show was the sax player. And I'm not mad about that at all because he looks kind of like uh, Edgar Winter or Father Time. And I would say at least a quarter of the show was dedicated to that guy getting a sax solo. And I'm very excited to learn that uh, Hall & Oates are now going on tour with Tears for Fears this year. And that's a show that I don't want to miss. I think we're going to try to go up to Des Moines on May 8th and check that show out. What a fantastic bill, and I'm sure that show is going to be amazing. And the tickets are probably going to be a little costly, so thank goodness the old tax return hit the wallet earlier this week. But this weekend was uh, also full of music for me. Later on in the show, we're going to be talking with Joey Landreth, who is from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Also, where my favorite wrestler, Chris Jericho, is from, who I've also had the pleasure of interviewing. But we're going to talk later on in the show with Joey, and uh, Joey was kind enough to send me his new record, Whiskey which is his first solo release. I got to listen to that a lot over the weekend. Tremendous, tremendous album. Seven songs and just great listening from start to finish. Uh, also this weekend, got turned on to the music of Becky Langan, who's from the United Kingdom. She is a young guitar virtuoso. She has an album out called uh, Parallel Paths. It's a five-song EP. Got to listen to that this weekend. And she is going to be our guest next week. So not only is she our first female guest, she is uh, our first English guest as well. And I have my good friend Dakota McKee for turning me on to that. She is uh, friends with Dakota. They met and uh, Dakota said, hey, you need to check this girl out. And sure enough, I was not disappointed. So you'll hear my chat with Becky next week on the show. But back to Joey Landreth, who was our guest this week. I discovered his band Brothers Landreth. And it's all as usual, thanks to Spotify and their Discover Weekly playlist that they curate for you each week as a user. Things you might like based upon the things you played previously. And there was a song called Our Love, which was on one of those playlists one week. And it was one of those songs, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before, where I I had to stop what I was doing because usually I'm listening to music while I'm at work. So it's kind of at a low level where I can vaguely hear stuff just enough to know whether or not it's going to pique my interest. So Our Love comes up in the playlist, and I, it was one of those songs where I had to stop what I was doing and go somewhere quiet where I could actually listen to the whole song at a, at a more reasonable level. And the guitar work, the songwriting, the vocals, the harmonies just blew me away. And I was hooked from that first opening guitar chord and the, the tone of that, just the meatiness and the grittiness of it. And then I dived further into the catalog of the Brothers Landreth and their first album, Let It Lie. And it's something I talked about with Joey, and you'll hear it later on in the interview, that a lot of my favorite music lately has come out of Canada. And that all started back when I discovered the band Big Wreck and Thornley, back when I was in high school. Holy cow. Just guitar monsters. And and Joey and I will discuss Ian Thornley of Big Wreck and and Thornley fame and, and how disgusting it is to watch and listen to him play guitar. But I was super excited to get Joey as a guest on the show. And uh, when we come back, we'll have my chat with Joey Landreth. Talking about uh, Brothers Landreth and his new release, Whiskey. That's up next on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Stick around. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. How hard can it be to pack a bag and up and leave? 
Greetings from Traumaville. I'm Lloyd Kaufman, president of Trauma Entertainment and creator of The Toxic Avenger. You know, folks, when the Trauma team and I are not making those great movies like Tromeo and Juliet and Terra Firma and Return to Return to Newcomb High, a.k.a. Volume 2, the Trauma team and I like to kick back and inhale the most educational and entertaining podcast in the world, Poop Culture. Hello, I'm Toxie. Toxie, I love poop culture. Poop culture is the best. I like poop culture. In fact, I even look like some poop right now. You look closely, uh, it's kind of a poop. But I'm 70 years old and I want to blow my f***ing brains out. So, you know, honestly, I don't even know why I care. Listen to Poop Culture on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network or at poopculture.com. We now return to the Bocephus Broadcast. Our guest today is a Canadian singer, songwriter, and musician from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. With his brother David, he's one half of the Brothers Landreth, whose debut album, Let It Lie, won a Juno Award in 2015 for Best Roots and Traditional Album of the Year. Joining me today is he's touring in support of his recently released solo debut, Whiskey. Please welcome to the program, Joey Landreth. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Let's uh, let's dive right into it. Let's start from the beginning here. To say that you've uh, been around music your whole life is... Uh, almost an understatement, but it's definitely uh, legitimate. Your father was uh, a working musician, and I understand your mom would bring you and your brother to the bars he played during his gigs. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, I mean that story has has been uh, pleasantly sensationalized. I think I think that that um, that incident occurred maybe a small handful of times. The way it worked was, uh, you know, my my dad was playing in the bars, and my mom uh, was. Uh, you know, a stay-at-home mom, and, and uh, the opportunity arose that my mom could come and start doing some things around the clubs that my dad's my dad was working. As you know, you develop a relationship with the places you play. You know, and so they say, hey, why you know why doesn't Darcy come down and do lights or something, or come and help clean at the end of the night and stuff like that? So you know, we you know we were a young family at that point, and and uh, so so there were there were a couple of times when Dave uh, Dave came to the bar with mom to do lights and you know, sitting in the bassinet under, underneath the, the light console while dad played and he's, you know, he slept. So I, I mean, it's it, not that it's, it takes away from that's, that's almost certainly where the love for music began with the family for sure. But I think people go, so this happened all the time. It's like, no, no, not all the time. <laughs> your regular bar fly from the time you were an infant then. Yeah, exactly. People are going, now we're worried about your upbringing. Um, but yeah, no. So that's, that's, that's kind of that story in a nutshell. And by the time I came along, my brother's the the older one, by the time I came along, uh, that, that kind of thing wasn't really happening anymore. So, I mean, at first listen, some would think that, that both, you know, your solo work and your work in Brothers Landreth, that, that you guys are from the American South, but it's not, you guys are in Canada. So uh, were there influences, were there albums, were there artists that, that influenced you and helped shape that sound you've come to from the American South, like the Southern rock scene? Well, you know, I mean, we, we never really listened to anything specific, you know, it was, it was the, it was the record collection that my parents had that really sort of inspired the whole thing. So, you know, there was definitely some Southern rock in there. Um, but more by the way, like little feet, and John Hyatt, Ry Cooter. So it was more like the Americana vibe. And I think kind of the, where the Southern rock thing wound up coming from was, I, I mean, before, um, before the brothers Landreth, I was sort of a sideman to, um, some higher profile Canadian country acts. And, um, so I think that some of the sort of some of, some of that, 
that country music that I'd been playing for the, the previous five years had kind of seeped its way into the, the Americana rootsy thing that we grew up with. And I think that that's kind of where that combo came from. Because a lot of people say, oh, you must have listened to a ton of the Almond Brothers. And, and we didn't really. There, wasn't, there was not a lot of Almond Brothers in the house. Not that we don't love them. Um, I mean, and the kind of the Almond-esque influence that I've, I've gotten, I've gotten by way of Derek Trucks and Tedeschi Trucks band, because um, I'm a huge fan of those guys. Um, but yeah, like the stuff that we grew up with was Little Feet, uh, Ry Cooter, John Hyatt, um, Bonnie Raitt. So there's definitely some Southern, some Southern stuff in there for sure. But uh, Steely Dan, we listen to a lot of Steely Dan. Um, yeah, and you do a you do a fantastic cover of Reeling in the Years, by the way, and and the covers oh, that you guys do are, I mean, how do you how do you do you have a favorite cover, and how do you pick covers to do, and how do you do them such justice? You know, I mean, we're a really hard rehearsing band, um, and because we we I think we came from we came from the sideman world, so it was so so sitting in a rehearsal has always been like, you know, um, in 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 mindset, it's always been the day job, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, we rehearse a lot and I think that that's kind of, that's where the arrangements come from. It's just sitting and playing through the tunes a lot and working, you know, working out the kinks as much as we can before we play them on stage. I mean, and we, with the brothers Landers, we've always kind of had this funny thing where we pick a new song and, and we, we take it out on stage and it's terrible. The first time I play it, <laughs> you know, it's like you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, and then you forget everything on that first time. And then, right. and then exactly. you know, on the, on the, on the ride home after the gig, you go, okay, I remember you said you were going to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, but as far as picking the covers, we just, we just pick songs that we love. And, uh, I've always loved reeling in the years. I've always wanted to play it. It's like, you know, it's like a sophistic, it's like a super sophisticated shuffle, you know? So it's like the things that I love the most about the blues, which is like the great, that great groove, the, you know, a great shuffle mixed in with some really fun chord changes and some really fun, interesting melodies. And, you know, the rest of this, the rest is kind of evident once you listen to it. I think the, the Steely Dan version is one of my favorite songs, hands down. Um, so, and that's how we've always picked our covers. Just, you know, throw on a record, you go, Ooh, Listen to that. <laughs> Let's do that. So you uh, you recorded the first album, Let It Lie. You did that in a, in a straw bale house in the dead of winter. What was that experience like for you? Uh, well, I mean, it's, you know, the, the Canadian prairies get pretty frigid um, in the wintertime. And, uh, you know, that's where we grew up. So it's it's a little more shocking to folks that aren't, aren't used to seeing temperatures that low. Um but it's, you know, it, 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 it's kind of par for the course. You know, you don't spend a ton of time outside unless, unless you're going to bundle up and go roll down a hill or something. <laughs> but, um, uh, it, you know, I think it, it's just very, very much, uh, the, that's kind of the, the quintessential Manitoba. And, and also, you know, the other prairie provinces of Canada are very similar. It gets cold. Musicians sit in the house. They work out their crafts. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool, creative music that comes out of the prairie. And I think that's why. It's just because, you know, if you don't play hockey, which... Which, as you guys are 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 sure to remind Canadians all the time, that that's our favorite thing to do. If you don't play hockey, you got to do something else. Um, and so for for us, it was it was play music and play in bands. And um, so giving, getting back to that question, what was that like? I mean, it, it was very very much our our usual sort of business as usual. We hunker down. You know, the the funnest the funnest part of the trip was. We had borrowed uh, a friend before we owned our own tour van. We borrowed a friend of ours's 15 passenger van to get us and the gear down to the studio because it's about an hour, hour and a half away from Winnipeg. And um, uh, about five minutes into the trip, just as we left the city, the heater, the heater conked out. So we had to stop <laughs> at a, a hardware store and buy a little space heater that plugged into the, 
the lighter and defrost like you know a, a large wallet sized square in the windshield so we could get to where we were going. Uh, so it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Everybody was bundled up. You know, you could see your breath in the car. It was pretty, pretty unpleasant. <laughs> Naturally. But so I want to I want to yeah. kind of move back toward your your father and the recording of Let It Lie because things kind of came full circle. You recorded a track that your father had written uh for the album and your dad actually did a, a guest guest vocal spot on the album. How how cool was that to to see that kind of all come to fruition? Oh, so cool. And it wasn't planned. You know, it was like one of those one of those things where like when when we first released the record in Canada, it had nine songs and then when we got our American record deal, the label had suggested, Hey, you know, if you have a couple more songs, you know, let's throw them on the new release. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can re-release in Canada as like a deluxe edition. And, um, and then we can release a a slightly longer play record down here. And um, so uh, we added the made up mind, which is a tune that we wrote with a friend of ours in Nashville. And, and uh, we were going to record a different song and, uh, and it kind of wasn't coming together in rehearsal. It just wasn't, you know, we couldn't get the tempo right. We couldn't get the Mm -hmm. feel right. And so we said, well, we better have a backup plan uh, just in case this doesn't go down the way we want it to uh, once we get to the studio, which evidently it didn't and didn't make the cut for the record. Um, so we, my brother and I started sort of pouring through, you know, the archives like, OK, what other songs do we have? And when when we when I had first started about putting together my own band, which had been years and years before um, that, that song of my dad's was one of the songs that I kind of thought, well, this would be a really fun tune to do. Um, and so. Um, it just kind of, I kind of looked at my brother in the rehearsal. I was like, Hey, what about that song of dad? It's like, yeah. Yeah. What about that song? Okay. <laughs> so I called him and I said, Hey, can you send me the lyrics to I'm the fool? And my dad went, yeah, sure. <laughs> he fired him over and we came up with an arrangement, uh, in the rehearsal. And then we went into the studio the next day and cut the tune. And, uh, it wound up being the first single coming off the record on the, in the, uh, the American release. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was cool, man. It was really, really cool to sort of, pay tribute to our dad like that um and uh and thankfully he didn't want to hear our arrangement until it was out he kind of was like i don't even want to have a chance to like it or not like it i because you know if i hear it before it's finished then i might i might kind of go well why don't why don't you do this with it why don't you do that and i don't want to be involved so yeah you know i just i, I just want to be surprised when i hear it and and uh, he called me and went, well, that's different, <laughs> but he, but he did really like it. And he actually now plays that version of it when he plays out. It was pretty, oh, that's pretty cool. Fun. That's um, really cool. Yeah. And then having him, he, he'd walked into the studio. We were, we recorded the vocals at a different studio, um, later on, uh, down the road. Cause I, I had to go out on tour with one of the bands that I was working with at the time in the middle of the recording process. So we came back to cut vocals and my dad popped by the studio to just say, Hey, and I said, Hey, while you're here, why don't you lay down a vocal track? And was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It was very, very cool. So a, a Juno award and correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like the equivalent of a, a Grammy award, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely nowhere near the, the prestigious thing, but as, but as far as um, accolades in Canada, yeah, it's, that's about as big as it gets in the music world. Yeah. So what, I mean, it must've been pretty surreal for your first major record, like out, out of the gate to win an award. What was that like? Oh man, that was, um, that was, uh, it was such a surprise. We, we really, really, really did not think we were going to win it. Um, we were positively thrilled that we were nominated, but we just, you know, I mean, and, and we, we flew our, our girlfriends and wives in for the award ceremony cause it was just outside Toronto. And at the, you know, at the time we were all living in Winnipeg and, um, so we flew the girls out. We all wore suits and, 
you know, the morning of the award, my brother said, you know, Hey, should we scratch together a little thank you just in case? And I said, you know, man, like let's not even get our hopes up. Let's not, you know, let's just enjoy the free meal. The girls are all dolled up. Let's have a nice time. Let's not get too excited about this thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sure enough, they announced our name and it was like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what do you, yeah. what are you doing that? Did you, did you have to throw something together or what'd you do? We just went up there and, and, uh, we won it <laughs> and, uh, you can, you can look it up on YouTube. It's, pretty embarrassing we were really nervous <laughs> it's just like oh say thanks to my mom and, uh, you know trying to frantically remember people who've helped us along the way and trying desperately not to leave anybody out and i think anyone could probably understand the uh the lack of preparation there definitely <laughs> yeah well i mean we just did not we did not think that we were going to take it so it was like i mean it was it was genuine in that but i mean uh, we learned our lesson you know <laughs> you're prepared to, you're prepared for a potential be big win yeah. I, you know, I, I think I was kind of thinking about this, you know, leading up to this interview. I think a lot of my, my favorite music the past, you know, three or four years has come out of Canada. Names like Donovan Woods and Ian Thornley and Big Wreck and, and of course, you oh, guys. Yeah. How does how does the musical landscape in Canada differ from here in the U.S.? Because I'm a, I'm a former radio guy, so I know that, you know, the, the top charts things, they're, they're all, it's all kind of garbage music. So is there more, I guess, legitimacy or, or raw feeling in, in Canadian music, or is it kind of the same? No, it's, I think it's very much the same. I, I, we, you know, the, I think culturally, we certainly can consume our music in a, in, a, in a very similar fashion up here. I mean, mm-hmm. the population is smaller, so the numbers that you see are smaller, right? Like there's, there's, a, there's a tenth of the population up here than there is uh, down there. And so, I mean, like numbers of albums sold are a tenth of the albums sold, and the number of spins are a tenth of the, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but it's very much the same. I mean, you know, guys like guys like Donovan Woods and, and Ian Thornley, Big Wreck, um, if you ask me, they're not getting anywhere near the recognition that they, they are. And, but they are getting recognition. You know, Don, Donovan, Donovan had a really great year this year. He's a good friend of mine, and, and as is Ian. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, they both, they both had tremendous years. But I just, like, I just, I just feel like the, it's, it's an incredible disservice to the world that those guys are not. Oh, I know it. I know, you know it. Massive superstars. You know, like, I mean, Ian Thornley, he's got to be one of the best rock and roll singers of our time and then yeah. that's not even talking about his guitar playing you know what i mean like the guy is a mutant like <laughs> it's I, it's nauseating to watch ian put on a clinic it's nauseating oh man and 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 it's and like and that's exactly what it is i mean i troll his instagram page just to like <laughs> just to feel bad about myself um, even him just you know just like winging it just noodling around is just it's sickening to watch yeah yeah it is it is uh and uh yeah like i said i think it's a tremendous disservice to the world that these guys are not uh, massive superstars but i think it speaks to uh i think it speaks to the state of the music industry now you know where people are a little more concerned about selling ad space than playing good music and and it's not that there isn't great pop music out there but it's but it's a shame it's a shame that because uh, i mean like i i think i think if if djs were allowed to play the music that they wanted these guys would be you know yeah it yeah, wouldn't absolutely. it wouldn't be about what it's been about and it's 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 People will still go see a Donovan Woods concert and go, "Holy crap! I didn't know I liked folk music." <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really good music outside the, you know, the 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 top five FM radio stations. Like, yeah, you should really go looking for it. 
Well, I mean, and that's that's what I tell a lot of people. It's you know, I have to I have to search for the things that I like, and there, there's pros and cons to that. But at the same time, you kind of have a, a best kept secret element about these these bands that you discover, and, and you guys are one of them. So you know, it's it's kind of like you're getting rewarded for your hard work of seeking out good music. I think. Well, that's and, and that's that's a refreshing way to look at it, and I and you know what I mean. As long as I've got people to play for, I don't really care. You know, I, yeah. I, I, my, if my bills are paid and there are people at the shows, I'm a happy guy. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not looking to be rich or famous. Uh, I just, I just really enjoy playing my music with with my band. And you know, at the end of the day, if, if people dig it, then I'm thrilled. So, so that's so it's a good thing. Sure. And on the, the, the EPK for whiskey on your website, there's a quote from you that says, and I think that this kind of embodies what we're talking about right now. Uh, you can ignore talk of music genres because it all comes down to two categories. Music is either honest or dishonest. Tell me, tell me what that quote means to you kind of expand on, on what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, um, what that, what that kind of means to me is like when, when somebody is being genuine about what they're delivering, you can believe it. And whether that's, whether that's full on pop music or not, uh, or, or, a, a sensitive singer songwriter, you can, you can kind of tell, you know, you can kind of see through yeah. it. And, um, and I think that like, I've worked with a lot of people who have climbed the ladder to a certain point and they, and they can't break through to the next, you know, and it's, you know, they could have decent songs and they could be a good singer and, you know, look good on stage and kind of thing like that. But, but at the end of the day, if they're if they're not playing that music because because they mean it and because they love it, I don't think people buy it. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to for me. It's like I've seen a lot of people go, "Okay, I'm going to play country music because like because that's what's in right now." And I mean, I think I think we've seen a couple people do it and it works. But there's more people that try to do it and it doesn't work because you you know you can't you can't really be financially driven. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there's exceptions to this and certainly, you know, but the, and this is just an idea for me, but sure. I just, I think, I think that at the end of the day, like I'm not, I'm not breaking any records with the songs that I write and I'm not changing the world with them, but I do, I do mean them. And I think that people, people get that when they see the Roselander play or when they see me play. Um, and I, and I think that that's the thing that, that people dig is that, you know, might not be the best song in the world, but I mean it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's and it's a piece it's a piece of me and it's a piece of my story, um, in in one way shape or another, um, one way shape or form, you know. And uh, I think that maybe that's 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 why people dig what we do. I don't know. I mean, I I, I hope. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to say definitively, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant by that that whole honest and dishonest thing, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think people dig it enough that that you had John freaking Oates agree to open for you back in 2015. How <laughs> yeah, that, how did that, that happen? Weird. What was that like? I I have to. I'm a big Hall and Oates fan, so I have to know. Oh man, oh John, John is such a sweetheart. Uh, he and the brothers Landreth, we share uh, an agent. So his, the guy who books his shows is the same guy who books our shows. And um, okay. Uh, John went into his office. His name's Paul Lore. He works for an agency called New Frontier, and there's amazing we love them dearly just they're they're wonderful people and their family and anyway um john had walked into paul's office one day and paul said hey i, I just picked up this band and we started working with these guys and you you i think you'd like them and um so he uh he grabbed a copy of our cd got a, got a copy of let it lie and listened to it and then called my brother just 
you know, got, got Dave's number from from Paul and called him, hey, Dave, it's John Oates. <laughs> and, uh, How do you answer that call? How does that even go? I don't even know. I like. I, I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't call me. I just put it that way. Um, but uh, yeah. So so he just said, um, you know, I'd love to do a show with you guys. Um, you know, what do you got coming up? And we said, well, we said, well, I mean, I don't know. You you tell us what's going on. Uh, we've we've got a show in Nashville. Maybe we should get together. And he said, well, wh- where are you playing? And we said, well, I think at that point we had. We had a hold on a couple rooms, but we were trying to we were trying to get into Third and Lindsley, but it, it kind of felt like it might might have been a little bit too big for us. But you know, the the smaller rooms were too small. You know, just in that spot. And he said, "Well, why don't I jump on the bill? I think I'll, I'll help you sell some tickets." And uh, and so we we said, "Sure." Like, how do you want to do it? He said, "I'll just open the show." We're like, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, hang on. Are you serious? <laughs> all right, John Oates, you can open for us. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of bizarre, uh, yeah. chain of events, but it was a wonderful show. And so we got, we got to play with John on, uh, one of his tunes and he got up and played on one of our tunes and it was just, you know, it was, it was just so cool. And I mean, like not to mention he himself is amazing, but he also had Guthrie Trap, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal Nashville guitar player playing with him. So mm-hmm. it's just like the whole thing was just like, pinch me kill me <laughs> like that's it i'm done uh, it doesn't get it doesn't get a whole lot better than that i don't want to retire so, tomorrow yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so i would say uh you're you're on par to have a, a pretty good year so far you released whiskey um and it's it's very much uh, critically acclaimed just like let it lie uh, in fact you know doing my research about every review i have read wishes that the album was longer uh you know it's seven songs how does that feel to have two records in a row that you are directly involved with that are so critically adored it's it's really weird (laughs) (laughs) um i i mean this whole this whole journey that i'm on right now this whole trip started with one little idea which was uh, hey, hey, brother Dave, let's start a band because I miss you. He was on the road with a bunch of other people. I was on the road with a bunch of other people. Let's start a band. Mm-hmm. Let, let's write some songs, and that'll be an excuse for us to spend a little more time together. And if the songs are good, we'll go out as like an acoustic duo and you know play little folk festivals around Southern Manitoba. And um, you know, and it just grew from there into its own thing. Before we knew it, we had a drummer, and then we had a record, and then we had a keyboard player, and then we had a guitar player, and now we got a sound guy, and we got our own van, and like. You know, but it just it just grew on its own, and so it's still it's you know, in in my mind, I'm I'm still just that like 19 year old guitar player wondering what I'm going to do when I'm 30, mm-hmm. not the 30 year old guy doing this thing, and so you know when, um, when when people really like the music that I'm making, it it it's really moving, and it's and it's really it's kind of crazy. Um, I I didn't expect it. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say. It's kind of shocking. <laughs> um, I try not to get too wrapped up in it, you know, cause you just, it's just really got to be about the music, but it is pretty cool. You know, it is cool to, to see people say, Hey, that music that you make, I, I like that music. And it feels yeah. Good. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You seem mm-hmm. to find like a, a really good balance with all the work you're involved in. And, and by that, I mean, is, you know, one song you're, you're up to 11, you got this, this gritty gargantuan tone and you're just, you know, it's, it's a combination of finger work and, and, and playing slide at the same time. And then you, you switch to a song like better together, which is, you know, this really soulful, warm, clean sound. It, you know, it reminds me of you 
for lack of a better better comparison, Hall and Oates track. So how sure, do you yeah. how do you pick out what vibe you want the song to be? Ah, uh, that's you know what that that's like that's I could just leave it I leave it to fate in in the sense that I bring the song to the table with the band. I usually I usually don't tell them what to play. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then I'll say, oh, I kind of I kind of heard you know this kind of drum groove or you know this this style thing, but. Uh, usually, usually it's just like, here's a song. What do you, where do you think it goes? And we just sort of, we just build it together along with our producer, Marie Pulver. And, and, um, and, you know, I think that it also kind of goes back to that honesty thing. We just kind of try to let the song be what it, what it's going to be. And, you know, right away when you're trying to, you know, you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole with, as far as songs, it's just like, well, this, you know, this tempo is wrong or this feel is wrong or this (laughs) vibe is all wrong, you know? And so you just kind of you just kind of find the right thing and let it, let it sort of dictate. Um, and with better together, it was like, it was pretty, pretty obvious when we started rehearsing what it, what it needed and what it wanted. And, you know, it wanted that choir. It didn't really need a guitar solo much to my dismay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, I got a few licks in there. I I did get a few licks in there, but it was, you know, um, yeah, it just, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, it just, it just kind of, they, they kind of tell you who they want to be at the the risk of sounding like a, a flaky, artsy songwritery guy <laughs> i mentioned that that kind of soulful tone and that you know kind of kind of a motownish vibe and i was watching some some videos the other day I came across a video of you doing a cover of the uh, ray charles song hallelujah i love her so and it was yeah holy crap like goose but i felt like i was in church you know like there's incredible guitar work going on there but the vocals you know as with all your other work equally as impressive so i know this is a loaded question but but i want to ask you which voice do you like using better your physical voice or your guitar voice oh man uh uh that's a cool question i you know it 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 really it really kind of depends i mean at the end of the day i do you know if i look in the mirror and you know who do you see? I, I definitely see a guitar player. Um, mm-hmm. but I do, I do approach the vocation of singing the same way that I do with the guitar. Like I do have a practice regime and uh, work on specific things. And, you know, I, like I said, like I'm a, I was a professional guitar player long before I was any of this other stuff. So, you know, um, I record gigs and I listen back and go, okay, that was, that was too much there. You're, you're over singing or you're, Oh, you're singing a little out of tune. Like I analyze the work and, and, and work on it, you know, Sure. Um, but it, 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 it kind of, it's, I, I mean, to answer the question a little more directly, like it, it's kind of a, it's a song by song basis. There are some songs that are, that I just love, love, love to sing. Um, better together is one of them. That one is just a blast to sing live. Yeah. Time served is really nice to sing live. Um, but then there are songs that are just all about the guitar, uh, still feel gone, you know, referencing tunes off the new record. Um, that song is like, I can't get to that solo fast enough. <laughs> Those two verses, like, get out of the way, kids. Move it. You know, um, so yeah, it's, it's really song by song basis. There's a, a song on the record called Hard As I Can, and it, mm. it's got that very Eagles vibe of, you know, driving down a, a highway at dusk or sunset or something like that. So where are you usually when the idea for a song typically strikes you? I know it's all, it's always usually like somewhere really inconvenient, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I mean, because I spend most of my time on the road, uh, usually song ideas come in the car. And so mm-hmm. um, I've... Uh, um, I've, uh, I've abandoned trying to write them down while I drive because that's dangerous. Um, <laughs> I, di- I, I dictate them into my, into my, uh, my notes app 
you know, like yeah, a hey, sure. hey, hey Siri, open a note kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so Siri's like your ghostwriter then? Siri is my ghostwriter, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, especially with the typos that make it in there. You know, I'll go through the ideas like sometimes by the end of the day or, you know, sometimes even as far as like a week down the road, I'll go, oh, yeah, I had that idea that day. And I'll go read it and go, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Nobody's listening to typos. You're fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's 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 true. So, yeah, but that, that's usually where the ideas come to me. And then, I mean, we're 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 very busy on the road, so there's very little time to write. Every now and then, if there's a if there's a day off that doesn't have a big drive on it, um, I'll sit down with a guitar and try and hash out some ideas. But usually, the actual like completion of a song happens uh, when I get off the road and I get home yeah. and sort of go through the compilation of stuff. Yeah. And you're uh, you're currently on the road in the midst of uh, the tour promoting whiskey. Most of that is, from what I gather so far, is taking place in Canada. But I, are you dipping down south as part of this tour? Oh, absolutely. At at some point, the record is is still yet to be released officially in the U.S. Um, right. We're we're kind of we're holding out for um, a partner to help us release it. We, you know, I I, I think I'll, there's a, a lot of the Brothers Landers fans would are are sort of. Um, protesting that we don't just do it independently, <laughs> um, but uh, but you know we're we're trying to be good business people. <laughs> sure. No, you know sure. a good record label will really help it go a lot farther. So yeah, we're 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 looking for that. Um, we're looking for a good a good label partner to to deal or to work with, and and once we have that, then the then the tours will definitely come. Um, really looking forward to coming back, uh, back down south of the border. Um, miss you guys. Miss my American people. <laughs> make a stop in st louis i want to see the show i really need to get out and, and uh, see either brothers landreth or you on your own yeah oh man st louis is, is one of our favorite towns so we'll definitely get to st louis for you all right i'll be there i mentioned the the rave reviews that the album has been receiving and, and rightfully so but what do you hope people take away from this record as your first venture as a solo artist here uh i don't know i mean I, I, a little chunk of feel good i think that's that's kind of all i'm really really hoping to leave behind, you know, with the, with the music that I make is, uh, you know, 30, 35 minutes of, uh, of, uh, of a good feeling, you know, it's a, it's a crazy world these days. And, uh, no matter what side of the line you sit on and, uh, you know, if I can, if I can provide a little bit of relief from that for a minute, then, then I feel like my job is done. You just want to write some silver lining. I, yeah, I, w- I would like to, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, a bunch of people have asked me lately if I, if I'd ever write like political protest tunes, and and I I've, I've kind of said no. I'll I'll leave that to the really smart guys. I'm gonna <laughs> I'll do the feeling I'll do the feelings music, um, and uh, and uh, you know put me on a double bill with one of those smart guys, and and I'll do the feelings <laughs> part, and he can do the smart guy part, or she can do the smart the smart guy part. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all balances out. I, mean, I read in an interview that you you said you you don't know how to write happy music, but I think you know from my perspective, sad songs are usually the the most easy to connect to. So I, I think you found a pretty good groove in what you're doing. So you do whatever's yeah, comfortable well, for you. Yeah, there's a couple happy tunes on the new record. I mean, it's, sure, it, it, they kind of came by surprise. Um, there's the, you, yeah, but the sad tunes are easier to, to write. It's a, it's a, it's an easy emotion to access when you try to be creative, and uh, you know. So I think that that's that's why a lot of you know sort of young and up and coming songwriters like myself, you know, it's uh, it's an easy place to go to. Um, and uh, as you build the craft, you you start venturing outside of that muse and looking for other things to write about. Maybe the, maybe the, who knows? May, maybe the next record will be a political protest record. Who knows? <laughs> 
Never I'll say buy never. it either way. I mean, just okay. shut up okay. and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, Joey, deal, best of luck with this tour. The, the record is fantastic, and I, you know, I'd expect nothing less out of you or, or the band, and uh, I know you'll have great success with it. It's been a pleasure and an honor to speak with you, and uh, I want to thank you for, for taking your time, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again in the future. Oh, thanks so much, Bo. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure talking to you. The Mo Cephas Broadcast. Cephas Broadcast. You don't need no alibi. And I don't want a long goodbye. Hey, friends. Portions of this week's program are brought to you by John and Megan Stump, loyal listeners and supporters of the Bo Cephas Broadcast. John and Megan recently relocated to beautiful Lakewood, Colorado from their native Quincy, Illinois, and they're experiencing a problem. They need house guests. If you're considering a vacation in the near future and you're friends with John and Megan, consider Lakewood, Colorado for your vacation destination. Let John and Megan put you up for the weekend and show you around the state where lead is Weagle. Thanks to John and Megan for sponsoring the Bocephus broadcast this week. And now, back to the show. You're listening to the Bocephus broadcast. Left you at the altar on a snowy New Year's Day. It's been years now. I still say your name. That's going to do it for episode eight of the Bo Cephas broadcast. Again, my many, many, many tremendous thanks to our guest today, Joey Landreth. You can keep an eye out for the American release of Joey's album, Whiskey. In the meantime, I encourage you to follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also at joeylandreth.com. Speaking of following, you can also follow me on Twitter at BoBCraft. Also on Instagram, the same way, at BoBCraft. And be sure you give a like to the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Broadcast. Also, don't forget, if you're listening on iTunes, please, 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 please leave a review, leave some feedback. Your feedback is much appreciated and, of course, helps the show find new audiences. Join me next week for Episode 9, when my guest will be our first female guest and our first English guest. Very excited about this. Becky Langan is an incredible guitarist from England. She's garnered the praises of Black Sabbath legend Tony Iommi. So she is legit. She is the real deal. She's going to be talking with me about her unique playing style, her influences, and her EP, Parallel Paths. Really looking forward to picking her brain when she joins me on the show next week. That's it, boys and girls. We'll catch you next week as we head back to the basement for more shenanigans across the World Wide Web here on the Bo Cephas Broadcast. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Get the latest episodes and more on demand at bocephasbroadcast.podbeat.com. I'm stronger now than I ever thought I'd be. I don't know how you do what you've done. We're going to get there, baby.